Hey, everybody, I'm really excited to bring this word to you today. I'm telling you, I, I believe that the Lord is going to bring some freedom into this house. The Lord has been speaking to me and dealing with me about this specific issue. And I believe that so many of us go in and out of seasons and different experiences of life where we get stuck in one of these places. And it's not good to be stuck in one of these places. You'll see here in a moment. But the truth is, is that you and I exist in our present time for a specific purpose and reason. Does anybody believe that? Even if you're not in the place that you want to be or in the destination that God has promised you to be, where you are at is intentional by God. And we have to trust the Lord to bring us to where he wants us to be. So the title of my message today is this, Past, Present, Future. Can we say that together? Past, present, future. There's a story in the book of Esther about Esther. And has anybody read that story before? It's an incredible, incredible story where Esther, God uses Esther to essentially save the children of Israel. And I want to kind of just recap this story a little bit and bring you some context. Because at the beginning of the story, Esther was going into the palace and she was going to be given to uh, the king as, as the new queen. She was being promoted and Mordecai was her uncle. And Mordecai gave some advice to Esther and said, Esther, do not reveal where you are from. Don't tell the king or any of his subjects who you are. And Esther in this moment, she lived her future and her present based on her past. She lived out her present reality based on where she was, who she was, and where she came from. And it was, it was justified. Esther in the time in, in the kingdom of Persia, the children of Israel lived in this kingdom of Persia, and they were hated. The Bible tells us that Haman wanted to release essentially a decree that said this, this day and this time, everybody gets to kill all of the Jewish people. How crazy is that? And do you know what's even crazier is that there was enough hate in that, in that place where the people were actually going to do it, that their neighbors were going to actually go and kill all of the Israelites in, in the nation of Persia. It was crazy, crazy stuff. And so Esther, based on who she was, based on her past, lived out her present reality and her future. And this is what I think a lot of us get caught up in. We live out our present reality based on where we've come from. We live out based on who we are, who we used to be before we met Jesus, and our past dictates our present and our future. I want to tell you something today. That is not the right way you and I should live. We don't live based off of who we were. We live based off of who Christ created us to be. Amen? If you are in Christ today, you are a new creation. And then something interesting happens as Esther and Mordecai are talking via messenger, right? Um, we realize that, that Haman put out this decree to, to kill all of the Jewish people. And, and Mordecai says, Esther, you have to do something about this. You have to save us. You're in the position to do something about this. And you know what Esther does? She gives Mordecai all of the reasons why she can't. She begins to say this, if I go before the king and he doesn't reach out his scepter toward me, I will lose my life. What was Esther doing in that moment? She was living her present reality based off of what might happen in the future. See, we just saw Esther be controlled by her past, and we see her for a moment be controlled by what might happen in her in future. This is what I know to be true about so many of us, is that so often we allow what could be to dictate what we do now. 
We live in fear and anxiety and worry about the future, and we get so caught up about what might go wrong in a couple days that we allow the enemy to dictate how we live our life now in this moment. And I want to read this scripture verse to you because it stuck out to me, and I'm sure you've heard it before. It's in Esther chapter 4, verse 14, and Mordecai, her uncle, is speaking to Esther via messenger. And and I'm sure if he was there in person, he would grab her face and and speak these words to her, but, but he wasn't with her in person. But I want you to hear these words. He says, for if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And then he says this to Esther, and these are his famous words. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. What is Mordecai doing? He's, he's reminding Esther, don't live your life based off of your past. Don't allow your future to dictate what you do now. He's he's centering Esther and saying, you are here for this moment. You have been placed on this earth, not for what might happen in 10 years, not because of what you did 10 years ago, but you're living in this moment for such a time as this. And this is what I believe the word of the Lord for us today is this, that yes, the future holds a lot of mysteries and it would be nice to figure everything out, but you're not here in this moment for what might happen. You're here for now. I understand we all have a past, we all have made mistakes, we all have done things we're not proud of, but can I tell somebody in this room today that you are not your past. You are not your mistakes, and how dare you keep holding on to the person that you were before you met Jesus? Because the Bible says that if you're in Christ, you're a new creation, and so you and I have to embrace who we are now, not live based off of who we used to be. And so the same advice that Mordecai gave Esther, I believe the Lord is telling us today, to begin to find Jesus in this moment now to find the Lord in our here and our now. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer as we, as we get into this message. Jesus, we thank you so much for your presence. We thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, that you are just revealing yourself to us today. And we, our desire, Jesus, is to know you right here, right now, God. We want to see your face. We want to know who you are. I ask that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would fill this room right now, according to your word in Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verse 17, that you would show us and give us wisdom and revelation to see you today, Jesus. That when we leave this place, we'll be leaving differently. Bless our time together. In your name I pray. Everyone said? Amen. I want to give you um, the idea for today's message. So if you're taking notes, I just want you to jot this down. I want you to write down, remember your past. Everybody say, remember your past, surrender your future, and live in the present. Remember your past, surrender your future, and live in your present. This is the first thing I want you to know today. Remember your past, don't live in it. Come on, tell your neighbor that. Turn to your neighbor and say, remember your past, don't live in it. I think it's important to remember and recall what the Lord has done for us. You know, Pastor Troy preached an incredible message last week. Wasn't that amazing with the windshield and the rearview mirror? That was so powerful. And one of the things Pastor Troy said was, as you look in the rearview mirror, you glance at it. You don't stare at it. If you were to stare at it, you'd get in a car accident. 
But every once in a while, you need to look back at what God has done in your life. You have to remember where you've come from. Remember what he's done for you. Remember that if it had not been for him, you probably wouldn't be here today. You might be locked up or drugged out or lost your mind or whatever the case is, that you and I wouldn't be here if it not been for God intervening in our life. It's important to remember those things. But the danger of every Christian is that we live in our past that we live in our past, that we don't allow who Christ created us to be to be our present reality, but we constantly go back to the mistakes that we've made. We constantly go back to what we used to be, to who we used to, the things we used to do, and as a Christian, you can't live in your past. It's important to remember it, but you cannot live there. There's a story in the Bible that I love and I think is such an enc- encouraging story. It's the story of Rahab. Has anybody heard the story of Rahab? She was, she was a, a citizen of Jericho before the nation of Israel came and defeated Jericho. And the Bible tells us that she was a prostitute in Jericho. She had a past. Come on, okay, listen, you can be honest. We're not gonna judge you. Does anybody in here have a past? Oh, there's not enough hands raised in this place. Come on, right? We all have a past. Rahab had a past. She, didn't, she made some mistakes. She messed up. And the Bible says this, that as the spies from Israel came into the city of Jericho, Rahab took them in and she hid them and she protected them and she sent them out and she, she made a covenant with them. She said, listen, I know that the Lord has given you this land, but would you do me a favor? Would you save me and my family? Would you preserve me and my family? And this is one of the most beautiful things in the Old Testament, I believe, that these two spies, they took a red cord and they tied it around her her window. And then they told her, if you're in this house, no harm will become of you. But if you leave this house, you might die. And Rahab gathered her, her family, her father's house, everybody that she knew. She stuffed them in, into her house. And as the walls of Jericho fell down and, and the Israelite army came into the city of Jericho and overtook it, Rahab was saved because of the red cord hanging on her window. The same way that the children of Israel painted their doorposts with the blood of the lamb, the Bible tells us that the death angel passed over their house and they were saved. This is such a beautiful picture and reality of what Jesus has done for you and for me, that when the blood of Jesus is marked on your heart, that the judgment of God would pass over you and you and I wouldn't receive what we deserve. And even though Rahab might have deserved judgment because of the blood of Jesus, she was passed over. She was preserved. She was saved. And it gets better and better. Rahab now joins the children of Israel, becomes an Israelite. And the Bible tells us this, that generations down the line, Rahab would be the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. That Rahab, somebody who was a prostitute, somebody who was messed up, who wasn't even a part of, the, of God's chosen people, would have an, an opportunity and a part to play in bringing the Son of God into this world. Man, how, how incredible is the redemptive power of God where he can take somebody so far and bring them so close. 
And I love that Rahab didn't live what she used to be. She didn't get stuck in the past. She didn't get stuck in what she was before God. But the Bible says that she came into the city, that she came into the children of Israel, and she became a part of God's chosen people. This is what I believe the Lord's saying to us today, that some of you in this room have done some things. You have a past. You've done some things that you're not proud of. But the blood of Jesus, the same way that the blood of Jesus covered Rahab, is covering you in this moment. And the Lord is saying, you're not your mistakes, you're not your past, you're not your failures. You have been made new in Christ Jesus. And the same way Rahab received redemption, and when she received redemption, she released figuratively and literally the Son of God into this earth. This is your calling and your destiny, that you and I would receive redemption and we would release Jesus into to this earth. That's who you're called to be. You're called to be a carrier of the presence of the Lord, that this earth will know who Jesus is because they know who you are. Don't, don't, don't think to yourself in this moment, God can't use me. I've done this. I've done this. See, the danger of a Christian living in your past is this, that you will continually perpetuate the mistakes that you've made. This, this, is the, this, is, this is reality. This is true. This is why, why Paul tells us this, that we are to behold the glory of the Lord and we're made in his image. Like looking in a mirror, we, we are remade into his image going from glory to glory to glory. And the principle is this, that you become what you behold. That your life moves in the direction of the thing that you're focused on. The thing that you're holding on to, you're looking into your life, moves in that direction. So if you're constantly holding on to your past, you're going to constantly be tripped up by who you used to be. This is the lie and the attack of the enemy. He wants you to replay every mistake you've ever made. He wants you to continue to feel guilt and shame and condemnation about every mistake that you made. Because he knows if he can get you to start looking at these things, he can get you to do them again. He can get you to make another mistake. He can get you to fail and fail and fail because you and I become what we behold. And when you constantly look at how broken you used to be, you never get out of that place. You know, my own personal testimony is I was wrapped up in this addiction to pornography for probably 10 years of my life. And I loved the Lord all 10 of those years. I tried to get out of it. I did everything that I could to get out of that terrible, terrible place. And every effort I made was not enough. And it wasn't until I realized, I just need to stop looking at this. I need to stop dwelling on who I used to be, who I was, my mistakes, my failures, and I need to start looking unto Jesus. I need to start realizing that he made me new. I'm not my mistake. I'm not my past. That's not who I am anymore. I've been set free from that, by, not by Dominic's good works, but by the blood of Jesus that covers the doorposts of my heart. I'm not that mistake. And the moment I stopped focusing and living in my past was the moment I was able to be free from it. And this is my encouragement to you today. Don't live in your mistake. Don't live in your past. Remember it. Testify of it. You know, allow it to guide you and give you wisdom, but don't live there. And some of you might be saying this to me today. Well, pastor, you don't understand. My past is only like 45 minutes ago. (laughs) You you might have some very recent past, right? Man, my past was just like a couple, like last night, you know, what 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 does that look like? 
<laughs> you know, the reality is it is what it is. But what I believe is that you're not punished for a certain length of time depending on how past your past was. Let me tell you something. If your sin from 20 years ago has been forgiven by the blood of Jesus, the sin you committed 20 minutes ago is forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And so many of us hold on to these mistakes that we've made and we punish ourselves for a length of time and we say, oh, I blew it. I'm gonna, you know, I'm just gonna struggle and punish myself for about two months and then once two months goes by, I'll be far enough removed, I'll be good. But listen, everything that you've done is in the past and it's either forgiven or it's not forgiven. You have to make up your mind because the devil wants you. He wants you when you mess up. This is what I do oftentimes. When I mess up, I say, oh man, I blew it. I'm just gonna get further and further and further away from the Lord because I blew it already. That's what he wants you to do. What, what the Lord wants us to do is this. Oh man, I blew it. God, I'm coming closer to you because I know that even though I blew it, the blood of Jesus washes over me. And even though I just made a mistake five minutes ago, I'm not that mistake. I've been forgiven and cleansed by the blood of Jesus and I'm moving forward. I'm not dwelling on the past. So remember the past. Don't live in it. Come on, tell your neighbor that one more time. Remember the past. Don't live in it. Here's what I want to talk to us about next. Surrender your future. Come on, somebody say, surrender your future. Don't worry about it. Surrender your future. Don't worry about it. I want to set this scene up for this next individual we're going to talk about because this is kind of a wild scenario if you put yourself in, in this guy's shoes. But the story of Matthew, the disciple of Jesus, was so impactful because the Bible tells us that Matthew was a tax collector. And the Bible shares with us, and his history shares with us, that tax collectors were not very popular people in the Jewish community at that time. Oftentimes, the tax collectors were this liaison between the oppression of Rome and the, the children of Israel. And so the tax collectors, they would, they, would, they would receive the tax from the children of Israel and give it to the Roman Empire, but oftentimes they would take a little bit more than they needed to take to line their own pockets. And tax collectors in that day, by that culture, were, were viewed as sellouts. They were, viewed, they were hated. You remember the story of Zacchaeus, right? Where, where Zacchaeus meets Jesus and he basically repents and says, listen, I messed up. I'm going to give all that stuff back that I took to those, from those people. Because tax collectors were, 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 were pretty, pretty evil people. And Matthew was a tax collector, a young tax collector. And I want you to see this because... At the time, I'm sure Matthew struggled with some like, man, this, this, is, I'm kind of, this is messed up what I'm doing to my, my, my fellow Israelites. But at the same time, he's like, this is a really good job. <laughs> this, is, this, is a very, this is a high paying salary. I'm able to support my family. And I want you to think about being in Matthew's position. He, 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 he gets into this well-paying job. He's a young kid, right? This is, this is probably a very, very like, prestigious place to be as a young young kid to be in this profession get this job and he's able to provide for his family he's able to build wealth for himself and he's sitting in this booth collecting taxes doing his job and this this stranger comes up to him and tells him to leave everything and this is what it says in Matthew chapter 9 it says as Jesus passed on from there he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office and he said to him two words follow me. Follow me. 
Now put yourself in that position. It might look different for you today. It might look like you're sitting in your dream job, making six figures, finally able to provide for your family. You've got your future figured out. You've got your 401k. You've got your retirement going. Everything's good, right? You finally made it and set yourself up. And then Jesus comes to you and says, get up, leave everything, and come with me. Come be homeless with me, basically. That's what Jesus tells this guy. He says, give up this good paying job, give up everything that you have, and follow me. Could you imagine what's running through Matthew's mind in this moment? I can't follow you, Jesus. I just got this job. This is how I'm going to provide for my family. What am I going to do? How am I going to put food on the table? How am I going to put clothes on my kids and, and shoes on their feet? What am I going to do? What does my future look like if I follow you? Because I know what my future looks like here. It's good. It's good here. I'm able to make ends meet. I'm able to figure things out. I have all the answers here, Jesus. What does my future look like with you? All Jesus says, follow me. He doesn't give him any more clarification. He's asking for Matthew's trust. He's asking for his faith. He's asking for him to trust Jesus enough to leave everything behind and follow him. Now, with you and I sitting in Matthew's shoes, don't raise your hand or identify yourself, but how many of us would put in our two weeks and say, okay, Jesus, I'm coming? How many of us would leave it all behind to be homeless with this crazy rabbi that everybody hated? Matthew got up and he said, I'm not going to worry about my future. I'm going to surrender it. I'm going to trust you, Jesus. He leaves everything behind and follows Jesus. And as Christians, I know we live in a culture that says you have to have a five and 10 and 20 year plan. You have to have everything figured out. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but what I am saying you should do is to surrender all of that to him. Don't worry about it. Because so many Christians I meet, we live in the future. That's where our life is. We don't live for the present. We live for what we have to do tomorrow. We live for what's going on next week. We constantly live five years down the road and we miss out on what the Lord's trying to do with us today. And our lives are filled with anxiety, with worry, with depression, with all of these negative emotions because we're trying to carry something that Jesus has never intended you and I to carry. He doesn't want you to worry about the future. He wants you to surrender it to him so he can worry about your future. You and I can trust him and worry about our present moment with Jesus. I love this scripture verse in Philippians chapter 4. I want to read it. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Everyone say everything. 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 By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. Here's the issue with so many Christians. Peace cannot do its job in our life because we will not surrender our right to understand what God has for us. We want God to give us the answers. This is, this is what I often say to the Lord. Okay, Jesus, I trust you, but tell me how this is going to work. <laughs> Has anybody said that to Jesus before? I trust you, but just lay it all out for me, okay? I, I do, I love you, I trust you, I know you're gonna figure it out, but just tell me every detail of the plan. That's not how faith and trust works. We wanna understand, we wanna know, we want God to explain his plan so we can approve it and tell him it's good enough for our life, but, but then we wonder why peace 
is not doing its job. Man, why am I so anxious? Well, you haven't surrendered. Why am I freaking out about the next week and the next paycheck and all this stuff? You haven't surrendered. You haven't surrendered to Jesus. You haven't given him your full faith and trust about your future, and thus peace can't do its job in your life. But as Christians, if we can learn to surrender our future to him, peace can guard your heart and your mind. I remember when I was a young boy, I was always seeing my, my grandfather, Dr. Kayton, and I would, always, I would always say in my heart, man, I wish I was like him. I wish I had the relationship with the Lord he has. Anybody else think that man? He's, he, I feel like he knows Jesus. Like he just calls him, he's like, hey, Jesus, what's up? Like they talk, they hang out. He knows the Lord, right? And I, my whole life, I'm like, man, I want to know the Lord like that. And I would always live like 20 years in the future. And I would be frustrated with where I was at then because I was trying to be somewhere I wasn't ready to be yet. And this is my encouragement to you today. Don't miss out on what the Lord's doing today because you want him to do something tomorrow. What the Lord's trying to do in your life is so special. Don't rush the process. This isn't a race to the finish line. This is a journey with the Lord. This is learning and growing and allowing yourself to build history with the Lord. You can't rush history. You can't, like, I look at people that have, have been married. Who's, who in here has been married for 30 years? Raise your hand if you've been married for 30 years. Raise your hand if you're 40 years. Anybody been married for 50 years? Oh my goodness, a couple of people. That's amazing, right? That's so incredible. Yeah, give it up for him. And I look at, I look at you and I say, man, you, I want to have a, a, a marriage that lasts 40, 50 years. But, but guess what? If I want to be there one day, I have to work on it now. I can't just sit back and say, oh, I can't wait to be married with my wife for 50 years. No, no, no. Like you can't just become 50 years older. You have to enjoy the moments that you have right now in this moment, in this present, and you have to trust the Lord with your future. You have to be anxious for nothing and constantly surrender your future to the Lord. And here's what I want. This is the last thing I want to encourage you with. Sometimes, most of the times, you're going to have to surrender every day. <laughs> Multiple times a day sometimes. Don't think, don't get fooled that you're going to say that we're going to pray a prayer today and then every, you're going to be good. You're going to be surrendered. It doesn't work like that. You're going to have to go to the Lord every 15 minutes and say, I surrender my future to you. And then 10 minutes later, you're going to feel the anxiety. You're going to feel the worry. You're going to be like, oh man, but what about this? I surrender my future to you. Five minutes later, I surrender my future to you. It's this constant going back and saying, no, Lord, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. And you'll feel those moments. You'll feel that anxiety well up. But every time you feel it, give it. Every time you feel anxiety, give it. Say, Jesus, this is not my issue. It's my future, but it's your responsibility. It's my future, but it's your responsibility, God. You said that you would work all things together for the good of those who love you, and I love you, Lord. I trust you. I surrender my future. Surrender your future. Don't worry about it. And this is the last thing I want to encourage you with today. Live in the present. Don't miss it. Live in the present, don't miss it. This is why I believe it's so important not to live in your past or worry about your future because you miss out on what the Lord's doing now. You miss Jesus now in this moment. We can't miss him. Like today when he walked into this room, we had to stop and make sure we didn't miss him because if we missed him, what's the point of us being here? 
If you miss Jesus, then what are you doing with your life? You're just doing things. You're just busy. If you don't know him, if you don't experience him every day, like, what's the point of being here? It is to experience and know Jesus. And this is such a beautiful, beautiful story of a man who had only the present with Jesus. He only had moments with Jesus, and he didn't miss his moment. In Luke chapter 23, we see a We see Jesus on the cross, and the Bible says that he was on the cross in between two thieves. It says, then one of the thieves, then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This was a man who deserved to be on that cross, this thief, hanging on the cross next to Jesus. He didn't have time to explain to Jesus his past and say, oh, this is, who I, this is who I used to be. Jesus, would you do all this for me because this is where I was? He didn't explain to Jesus or, or worry about his future or say, hey, listen, like, God, I, I don't know what to do here. He had a moment with Jesus. He had one moment with him, and he could have missed him. The other thief missed him. The other thief began to ridicule Jesus and mock him and make fun of him. And and this thief was hanging on the cross with the Son of God, and he said, this is my one chance with Jesus. He says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't miss him. He had a moment with Jesus, and he found him. He connected with him. And my prayer for us is that we would be able to remember our past, remember our mistakes, remember the things that the Lord did in our life, but we don't live there. That we surrender our future, we don't worry about our future, but we're able to live in this present moment and find Jesus and that when you find him, you'll hold on to him. You'll draw close to him. You won't miss him. I want to close by reading this scripture verse to you in John chapter 1, verse 6. I read, that, read this verse to me, I read this verse this week and it, it wrecked me so much. It says this in verse 6, that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. Jesus came into this earth and they missed him. For whatever reason, the son of God, the king of glory, came down, walked amongst his people, and they missed him. And my prayer after I read that this week was, Lord, don't let me ever, ever, ever miss you. Don't let me be too busy worrying about what tomorrow looks like. When you come into my life, I just miss you. I don't even see you. Don't let me be so caught up on the mistakes that I've made and be so, have so much tunnel vision where I can't even see you in my life. But Jesus, when you walk in the room, I want to know it. I want to see you and I want to say, Jesus is here. Just as John the Baptist said, he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of this world. John the Baptist didn't miss it. 
This thief that was dying on the cross, he didn't miss it. Peter didn't miss it. But how many people missed Jesus? I want to ask you this question today. How many times have you missed him in your life? He's come by, he's walked by, he's tapped you on your shoulder, tried to speak to your heart, tried to do something in your present moment, and you've missed him because you're worried about what's coming up next week. You've missed him because you're, you're wallowing in guilt and shame and condemnation because you haven't really embraced the forgiveness that the Lord has given you and you think that he's mad at you and he hates you and when he's coming to you, you don't even see him because the enemy has you so bound up in who you used to be. My prayer this week for us is that we would not miss the Lord. Do me a favor and stand to your feet as we pray today. Holy Spirit, would you reveal Jesus to us? In this moment, as we come out from who we used to be, God, in our past, our sin, our failure, our mistakes, we choose right now to remember our past but not to live in it. We thank you for what you've done for us, the deliverance, the freedom, the healing, the miracles, the, 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 the forgiveness, everything you've given us, God, the new life in Christ. We thank you. We remember what you've done, but we thank you that's, that's not who we are anymore. We have been made new by the blood of Jesus. Just as Rahab came out from her old life and brought Jesus into this world, would you bring us out from all guilt and shame and condemnation and allow us to reveal Jesus to this earth? Father, just as Matthew, sitting in that tax booth, got up and said, I surrender my future to you, we give it to you right now. Come on, I just hear the Holy Spirit saying that there's so many people in this room who are fighting anxiety and depression and, and worry and there's sleepless, restless nights in this, in this room and you just, you're just overcome with this anxiety. Give it to him right now. Say, Jesus, I trust you with my future. Come on, say that. I trust you with my future. I trust you with my future, Jesus. I know that you have written a better story for my life than I could ever even imagine. You have written a better story for me than I could even come up with. If you've given me a thousand years to write a story, God, your story is better. And I trust it now. We ask Jesus that when you walk into our life, would you help us to be like that man who is dying on the cross next to you? Help us not to miss you. Help us to recognize you, the one whose eyes burn like fire, whose hair is white like wool. Let us see you, Jesus, every single day, every single moment. Let us realize when you walk in the room. We love you, we honor you, and bless you today. In your name I pray. Come on, everybody said, amen, amen. I want to invite my altar ministers to come forward and before I dismiss us, I want to ask you two questions. If you're in the room today and you don't know who Jesus is, you've never given your heart to him, you've never surrendered your life, maybe you're here worried about your future, or maybe you feel like, man, pastor, that past for me is not the past. It's, very, it's my very present reality. 
this is the beautiful thing. The Bible says that when you come to Jesus, he makes us new. And I want to encourage you today, if you're here today, you've never given your heart, please, no one moving around or, or getting ready. I know, I know it's a little late. We're going to go, but this is a very important moment. Because if you haven't given your heart to Jesus, this moment, eternity hangs on this moment. It's this decision that you make that says, I'm either going to give my life and surrender everything to Jesus, or I'm going to reject Jesus and do it on my own. It's that decision where your eternity hangs in the balance. And I don't say that to scare you or make you frightened, but I say that to give you hope and peace, to say that there's somebody who loves you enough to abandon his home in heaven, to come down, to pay the price that you should have paid, that I should have paid, to die and be our rescue, to be our hope, to be our way out. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I want that for me. I, I want to be made new. What I'm going to ask is when we dismiss that you don't go that way, that you come up here, that you let us pray with you, that you let us show you and reveal who Jesus is and give your life to him. And if you're here and you've you're going through a difficult time, maybe you're struggling financially or struggling with whatever, whatever life brings, we know that it brings a lot. This is what we believe at Church on the North Coast, that you're not allowed to do it alone. You're not allowed. You can't be a part of our family and do life alone. You have to allow us to carry the burden with you. And so come forward if that's you as well. We want to pray with you. We want to bless you. We want to believe God on your behalf. Man, I believe that the Lord is, is doing new things in this season. I'm excited to see all of the provision, all the miracles, all of the faithfulness that he unleashes in this place. So as we dismiss today, remember, come this way. Give your life to Jesus. Let us pray with you, and you'll leave this place changed. Remember to live right, love everyone, and pray hard. We love you all very much, and we'll see you all in Wednesday.